We're going to have Dean Loftus speaking to us today from Redcliffe Bible Camp, so by no means do I want to steal all of his time. But I want to just take a minute and talk to you mothers. If you are a mother, would you just stand up for a minute? We want to say thank you to you. Mothers, I want to just say something to you, and that is this. What you do for the Lord, ultimately, for your children, for your home, for your husband, is the most important thing in all the world. It is the most important thing. It is so easy to look at everything else in life that grabs our attention, is exciting and new and important and to get sidelined, to get derailed from what's core and from what is eternal and lasting. And I just want to encourage you mothers, especially if you've got little ones at home and you've got a quiver full of little ones at home and it gets difficult and tough, what you are doing is worth it. Keep on keeping on. Don't grow weary the scripture says, in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Make sure, mothers, when you leave today, you go out the back door. Um, we got a little gift for you from Salt River uh, Soap Works, so some handmade soap. Make sure you come out that way, all kinds of different smell goods, so come that way. Um, and I can't tell the difference between any of them. They all smell the same to me. But all you ladies, you know, you'll look at them. So don't bog down the line too much when you pick your choice. But please come out that way and get a bar of soap as you leave today. Um, the other day, uh, we're, we got a lot of little ones around our ranch. We got a, little, a lot of calves. We got, Amy's got in the back porch a brooder that's full of little chicks and um, we always try to make sure we keep new chicks coming into the hen house so that we keep fresh on our eggs and her and Thaddeus my grandson were taking care of the chicks the other morning and uh, uh, Thaddeus obviously has noticed that our calves have mamas and uh, Thaddeus said to Amy why don't the chicks have mamas Good teaching moment. Hatching eggs is mere biology, right? It's just mere biology. Mothering a brood is a learned skill. The chickens in our hen house don't brood and sit on eggs and have their own. You know why? Because that's not what they had. They were raised in a brooder. They don't know how it's done. They don't know what it means to be a mother. They know what it means to be a chicken, to lay eggs. But they don't know what it means to be a mother. Being a mother is more than just having kids. It is a learned skill. I say that because I speak to you older women when it says in Titus chapter 2, you older women, 
teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. We are learning so we are losing so many life skills in our culture. One of them is mothering. Mothers, what you are doing in training and rearing your kids and teaching them how to scratch for food in the barnyard and all those things is of eternal significance. Never discount it. It is important. I didn't make screens this morning for our uh, catechism, so take your bulletin. They are in the bulletin on the insert. Let's do our catechism together, working through the Lord's Prayer, and then we will um, have a word of prayer, continue after prayer with worship. We'll take the offering during the singing of worship. Question 105. What do we pray for in the fifth petition? In the fifth petition, which is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we pray that God, for Christ's sake, would freely pardon all our sins, which are the rather encouraged to ask, because by his grace we are enabled from the heart to forgive others. What do we pray for in the sixth petition? In the sixth petition, which is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we pray that God would either keep us from being tempted to sin or support and deliver us when we are tempted. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do come before you today and we ask you to forgive us of our sin. We thank you that you have in Christ, that those of us who know you that have been born again, we know and are assured in your word that there remains for us no condemnation. We are forgiven. We thank you for that. Lord, it can be a struggle for us, you know this, to forgive others. Help us as your children to freely forgive as you have freely forgiven us. Lord, as we leave this place here In another hour, another 45 minutes, we know we will face temptation. We know the evil one would love to trip us up. Lord Jesus, I pray for myself and I pray for these people that you would deliver us from the evil one. You would keep us from temptation. And when temptation comes our way, that, Lord, you would point us to a way of escape. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. We worship you today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a privilege to have Dean with us. Dean's going to come up and speak and present the camp, the ministry of Redcliffe Bible Camp, as well as break the word to us today. Uh, Dean and I go back a long way. We met each other in 1985 when both of us were counselors at Redcliffe Bible Camp. Um, Amy was on staff there. That's the year I met Amy, and um, we dated for three years and then got hitched, and Lived up in Cody, and Dean and Lori ended up settling in Pinedale and taking Redcliffe Bible Camp following the death of the director, uh, Pastor Phil Tubbs. And so, Dean, it's a privilege to have you here today. Come and share with us the ministry, share with us what God's doing in your life and through you and through the camp, and uh, it's great to partner with you.
Oh, I just did. All right. I've got my mic on now, so it's probably too loud. Plug this in here, and the guys upstairs will get that uh, transferred over on our screen. So, those of you that were in Sunday school, I'm already feeling a little crazy because I got my iPad up here and a computer. And we talked about what during the morning uh, Sunday school time? Media, right? And uh, so, uh, I will. Uh, Got everything set up now, so we're good to go. It is a privilege to be with you today. On the back table in the back is a uh, picture of our family. And uh, my son, Ike, is much younger than that, so you can look at that and see what he used to look like. And uh, he's on the back there. Lori and I serve at Red Cliff Bible Camp as uh, missionaries. And this will be our 37th year of uh, work there at camp. And I did not know that when I went and uh, met your pastor, Tim, in 1985, that I would still be there. But God uh, chose to do that. And the reason he chose to do that, um, I have to tell you this morning, it's Mother's Day. Um, I lost my mom a year ago in two weeks. Um, And so it's uh, still fresh. I uh, called uh, my sister this morning, and, and we had some time together just remembering but uh, my mom took the application that I had for Redcliffe that I picked up while I was in college, and she kept giving it to me off of my desk and saying, you ought to pray about this, you ought to pray about this. If you, if you did this, it might uh, change your life, okay? Here I am, 37 years later, and I've been doing the same thing, and a praying mom is uh, what I miss the most, okay? Um, when that... Uh, God took my prayer warrior, uh, both my mom and dad, prayer warriors, and the last uh, two years, um, I honestly thought, you know, I can't go on. But God's raising up some new prayer warriors. And uh, we had another ministry presented this morning. And uh, our ministry at Redcliffe, all those things need you to pray, okay? We need God's power. And that comes through God's people praying. So I would just ask you to uh, remember that. Um, These newsletters are on the uh, back table. Uh, They're only, uh, they came out a week ago. And so it's a fresh one. And uh, one of the things I want to mention in there is on page six, there's a note from the McGills. On page 11, there's a note from the High Boers. The High Boers and the McGills serve at Redcliffe Bible Camp, and you support them. So thank you, Emmanuel Bible Church, for your support of our team. And uh, they appreciate that, and I am giving that uh, message to you to just give you that thanks today. Also on the page 11 of this newsletter is our outreach. And uh, we started doing an outreach page about three, four newsletters ago. And we're excited about what God's allowing us to see happen. And so this winter we had a total of 27 churches represented and uh, during the summer, we had, uh, we had about 75 churches represented. And we're just rejoicing in the opportunity we have to serve there. And uh, one thing I want to remind you about Redcliffe, Redcliffe exists to serve churches. 
we are a tool of the church to help that church and uh, offer teaching for adults, kids, and uh, just uh, families in that capacity to uh, minister to them. And so we just want to remind you of that tool that you have available, and uh, we just uh, are encouraged by that. So please take these. I brought them over so you could just take one. And I know the church uh, gets one as well, but if you'd like to receive that, uh, you can receive it two ways. You can get it on email, and uh, you can also uh, get a hard copy in the mail. If you'd like to get that, we'd uh, just like to give that opportunity to you so you can know what's going on at Red Club Bible Camp. I'm going to give you a quick update about what's going on with the camp, and I, you see this slide up, Beauty for Ashes, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Um, five years ago, in February, uh, God chose to allow the building there, our main lodge, to burn. And, uh, you know, we, we think about uh, camps and we think about forest fires primarily, and that's something we pray about, you know, especially with uh, summer coming up. But uh, our building burnt down in February, and there was 10 foot of snow on the ground at Red Cliff. But uh, that was a fire that was uh, started in a, an appliance, and uh, that appliance failed, and that fire started, and God chose to allow that to happen. So we've been in a Beauty for Ashes campaign, and uh, so uh, some of you don't realize uh, what we lost, because you're not familiar with Red Cliff. So this is a slide of the uh, building in the summer of 2015. And uh, that is uh, the lodge that we had. And uh, in February of 2017, that was a total loss. Um, and uh, this picture was taken uh, in April of 2017. And so uh, that was after the snow was melting away there. So uh, we uh, continued with the process, and I have an entire slideshow. Some of that I shared with you several years ago when I was here, but uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed, in uh, December and November of 2020, and in January of 2020, the fire suppression system was started. And this last summer, in June and July, all the interior plumbing was roughed in. And you can see all that going into the process. In June, uh, the porch hallway was framed. And uh, there we even had some of our summer staff helping with that. The gentleman with the baseball cap in the, uh, would be on your, uh, on your far right in the top is Dave Hybor, the missionary that you support uh, there at the camp. Then we had some work groups come in and work on that in July to finish up that hallway porch. And then we went into a uh, remodel on an existing building that wasn't finished yet, okay? And that was with the fire suppression system. We had to expand the fire suppression room. And uh, this is some slides showing you that process of going in. God supplied us with the uh, work groups we needed for that to see that happen. Then all the interior framing and boxing in all the beams took place in July of last year. And then also the soffit was put in on the building to uh, wrap that up and do some finishing. In August, we had uh, four work groups come. And uh, this gentleman is a, uh, 
is a mason, and he came and uh, laid all that block, he and his son. And uh, they got that up there, and then another work group followed them and put the roof on that. And that's tied there to the building. You see the black pipe there on your right, and that is the, uh, that is the pipeline to supply that fire suppression system. And there's the finished uh, roughed-in fire suppression building on the south end of the new lodge. In August, we had uh, some uh, the porch work continued with a work group of guys, and uh, this is really a fantastic story to share with you because this group is, uh, of missionary builders comes every year for the last four years, and God used them when we had a subcontractor not come back. They had worked with the subcontractor the year before and learned about the logics blocks that we used on the building, and then they were able to come back and do that work as volunteers when we didn't have our subcontractor there. And here they are working on the porches. Some more pictures there of them working on those porches. We also got the kitchen roof done in August. And that's the roof that will be over the kitchen hood. And so basically the kitchen hood will be under two roofs. You see the upper roof there in the picture. And that's because of snow. So you don't have all that snow on the kitchen hood components. And then they continue to work on soffit in August. And then in August they installed the tile in the uh, mechanical room. And these are volunteers that have come and and done this work there. And then the doors. uh, Talk about supply. Pastor mentioned your generator today. You'll see on the slide that those doors were ordered in May of 21. And we received them in September of 21. And we didn't get all the parts until uh, December of 21. So the doors were uh, there. We had to put a a water line in to supply water for the fire suppression. So there's some tanks sitting up on the hill by the repelling tower. And a gentleman with a fusion machine donated all the poly pipe and fused it together to put that pipeline in. And in classic Wyoming form, we started with nice weather. And then we went into nice uh, fall weather with snow and ice and and mud, as you see there. And then... uh, The upper porch, the hand railings were installed, built by a uh, volunteer. And then in October, we uh, had the septic tanks delivered, and we put those in front of the building there in the spot where they go. And we had both kinds of weather there. You can see the sunshine and the snow. And then in November, we got some doors installed, and the gentlemen are standing there by the one door that has a window. And you see the other one does not. Uh, Several of them, that hardware's there now. We need to get that installed. Here they are working on those doors. And then we had a first at Redcliffe, and that is uh, we had a cement truck come November 18th. Usually we have snow on the ground where you can't get in there, but the Lord allowed us to have uh, that open, so we got some cement poured on November 18th in that pump room. And then uh, we got the heating system installed during November and December. And that goes in that room where all that tile was put down. 
And then on December 3rd, we had a delivery at Red Cliff. This is a miracle too. We've never had anything delivered in December because of snow, but all the insulation was delivered and stockpiled in the building. And that's what we've been doing since February, is putting uh, insulation in the uh, building. And I can share with you this morning that all of the uh, walls are insulated. And all that's left now is the ceilings upstairs, and that's blow-in insulation. So we have to have the sheetrock up before we do that. And so this was uh, actually further than 10 days ago. This was April 21st when we were in. We took a picture to give you an idea where the snow was. And that's what the building looks like right now. And uh, we are just rejoicing in what God is continuing to do. I can share with you that uh, I'm excited as the director that we are at a point where we are on the downhill side of fundraising, okay? And uh, so we have a goal that we need to wrap up this project, and we have uh, some prayer requests for you that uh, I would share. The prayer request that I want to share with you this morning is uh, Jim Cruz is a gentleman who donated all the sheetrock, and then he donated uh, his labor to put the sheetrock in, but the sheetrock's not in yet. It's all sitting up there at camp in piles. And the reason that happened is uh, he made the donation in November of 20, and his wife was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Uh, Shelly Cruz passed into eternity uh, December of this last year, December of 21. And so Jim has been regrouping. You can understand that. His desire is to still see that uh, donation that he started finished, and so you pray with him as he restructures and works through life with three daughters. Um, one of them's getting married in a few weeks, and uh, the other two are in college, but uh, they've just been regrouping. So I'd ask you to pray for Jim. His desire is to help us to get that finished, but obviously God has brought some things into his path with the passing of his wife that he is, uh, he is working through. So... Uh, if you would pray for him. And uh, those of you that are uh, widowers and uh, widows, um, God has burdened him with a ministry to widowers and widows in his church. And that's been a dynamic thing that uh, God has been working through in his church. And uh, he said, I've never had that perspective, but now I do. And God's using that for his glory. So anyway, if you'd remember Jim... Cruz, we'd appreciate that as you pray together. I'm going to leave that uh, last slide up there and just uh, let you see that so you can think about that as we uh, look in the Word together. And uh, just want to uh, take some time this morning to look in God's Word and uh, challenge us with the uh, sufficiency of it. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. So I want to have you uh, with me. I want you to think with me, okay? Have any of you ever done something that left a mark? Okay? I know some of you are thinking right now, yeah, my kid did. He colored with his crayon on the wall that I had worked so hard to paint. Okay? That left a mark. All right? I'm thinking more of a permanent mark, though, something that, something that uh, leaves a, 
a permanent type mark. I don't know how many of you have been to Independence Rock, but uh, down on Independence Rock, you climb up on top of there, and people have chiseled their name and the date in there when they were there at the Independence Rock, and it's fascinating. Read those dates and see that and realize that they left their mark there. I have a scar on my thumb here that's uh, stitches, six stitches that I got when I was about six years old. I fell down the stairs with a dog dish and broke that dog dish and uh, cut myself. And uh, so that uh, scar is still there, a reminder from time to time, something leaving a mark. And the pastor was talking about media in Sunday school, and I was thinking about that in light of uh, the Word of God. And uh, my challenge this morning as we look at God's Word is that the Word of God would leave a mark on our lives, that we would be be, uh, noticeably changed by the Word of God as it uh, teaches us and as we learn through it. And... uh, You know, the song says, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. So my question to you this morning is, uh, how can we know that deep love of Jesus? And the answer is, to know the love of Jesus, we must know the Lord Jesus, and then we must be in God's Word to learn and grow and be encouraged from His Word and uh, to leave a mark. So the sufficiency of Scripture this morning, as you look here in this passage, I want to read for you uh, in Psalm 19, I want to go to verse 7. Some of you will remember this as a Scripture chorus a lot of us sang together in our youth groups in the uh, 80s and 90s, and uh, Psalm 19 there, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So we see the sufficiency, and the challenge this morning is to see the sufficiency of Scripture as I as I share this with you, and we see six characteristics of the law of God. The law of Yahweh, the law of the Lord. And the first one is uh, the perfect there. That idea of perfectness means whole and complete, lacking nothing. And as you think of that, something being whole and complete and lacking nothing, there's not many perfect things, are there? All right. I own my home in Pinedale. And I've had a lot of home projects along the way. Um, I bought a fixer-upper, and I'm still in the process of fixing. But I noticed the other day, and I remember today as Pastor was talking about your siding needing replaced here on the church building, I thought I had the siding perfect on my house, and then I'm noticing that the sun and the snow and the weather is making it not perfect anymore. Okay? And so there's not many perfect things, but the Word of God is perfect. And what does it do? As you see there in the verse, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That word is interesting because there's the aspect of restoration. When my dad was still living, um, we 
I purchased the 51 Ford pickup. I purchased that 51 Ford pickup because uh, my dad had bought one brand new when he and my grandfather were in business together. And so all these pictures that they had of their business, and they moved houses. So uh, that was unique in all these pictures. But one of the pictures that I remember as a kid, and now I have a copy of, is this barn that is jacked up, and there's a 51 Ford pickup parked under this barn. It's all jacked up on all the pilings, and they're getting ready to move that, and there's this 51 Ford pickup. So to get back to where we're going with this, I bought that pickup so that my dad and I could restore that together. And we started into that process of restoration, okay? And so several things had to be redone. My dad spent hours working on the brake system, and he put new lines in, he put new uh, drums in, he put new shoes in, he did all that work because he was restoring that to be operable and usable. And that's the idea here when it says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I'm sorry, the, I read verse 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And that conversion, that restoration of the soul, input, new life, transformation. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, that's happened in your life. You need to be encouraged by that, Christian. You are being transformed. And the time you spend in the Word will continue that transformation as it leaves its mark on you, as we were talking about this morning. Let's go to the second one there, for sake of time. The testimony. That's there in verse 7 as well. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Witness that is sure. I like this definition of of the testimony. Unmovable. That idea of the sureness there, it's unmovable. The testimony is sure. To make one wise, it talks about there in the verse. And what it means by that is uh, the testimony is sure, making wise is simple. To make one wise. And that idea there too of the keeping... Keeping it simple so that one that is simple won't be swayed. Okay? Did you catch that? We really are simple. And yet God, through His Word, gives us His testimony that helps us to know what is right. Gives us truth. Okay? So I'm not here this morning giving you any uh, fake news, okay? That's the cool part. The gospel, the good news, is not fake news. It's real. And the testimony is sure. Let's look at the third thing there found in verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Statutes or precepts. Teachings that are right. The idea of this definition is they're straight and level. Okay? They don't have any twist to them. All right? Pastor and I were talking about uh, my uh, third child, my uh, second son, and he's down in South Carolina. Okay? If you've ever been to South Carolina, there's not a straight road down there, okay? All right? I love Wyoming, and I grew up in Montana. I love that because you can see for miles, and you can get on a straight road and see. And I like that analogy here. The teachings are right, straight and level. And what do they do? 
those teachings, they rejoice the heart, rejoicing, leading to a happy heart. So the sufficiency of Scripture and the fact that it's perfect brings restoration, testimony sure, and then we see here the statutes or the precepts cause our heart to rejoice. Let's go on down in verse 8 to the commandment. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Commandment is pure without impurities. And this is a good Wyoming illustration of that commandment being pure, okay? The water's not muddied. It's unmuddied, okay? I don't know how many fishermen or fisherwomen are out here in the audience, but as we go into spring thaw, the streams in Wyoming are going to get muddied up. And there's going to be some days that you don't go fishing because you can't see the bottom of the stream bed. But when that is pure, you can look right down and see the stones. Those stones that are there in the bottom of that stream bed because it is pure. It is clean, unmuddied. What does this commandment do? This commandment of the Lord says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Illuminates our eyes. Why? So we can see truth and we can discern error. Okay? See truth, discern error. Don't we need to have clear vision in the time we live today? We're going to get that clear vision, that clear thinking through the Word of God. This commandment that enlightens our eyes. And I don't know about you, but I'm learning too that as I'm growing older, and I was reminded by one of my staff members this past week that I'm closer to 6-0 than I am to 5-0, okay? That wasn't, a, that wasn't a nice thing, okay? Those of you that are in that same time frame with me, you're like, really? Did they have to say that? Okay? But I'm noticing in this time frame I'm in that uh, I need more light to see. And I like to do some light mechanic work. I used to do some heavy mechanic work, but I'm noticing that when I do my light mechanic work, I have to have a lot of light so I can see what I'm doing. And uh, just the idea here and the, the thought that I want you to be with me, the commandment, this pure commandment, enlightens our eyes, illumines our eyes, okay? The next one there in verse uh, 9. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. Okay? Unclouded and clear. And uh, we need to live with a right fear of God. And a right fear of God does two things. A right fear of God causes us not to fear man, which the Word of God talks about. Don't be afraid of man. And don't be afraid of circumstances. Because if I have a right fear of God, I have a right focus on God, circumstances in man won't dissuade me. And that's what it's talking about here, this uh, unclouded, clear focus. And then the exciting part of that, too, is it endures forever. Okay? Endures forever. What more can I say than it lasts for eternity? God, our eternal God, Let's look at this last one here in the uh, verse 9. It says, uh, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's interesting in studying that word judgments, it can be translated as well ordinances. And uh, some of you uh, live in communities, and a lot of communities pass ordinances that you have to live by. The cool thing about this is the ordinances and judgments referred to here in this passage are without error. Why? Because they're God's judgments and ordinances. They don't have any error in them. 
Okay? You probably live in communities where they have ordinances that you're like, really? I can only have five chickens? pastor was talking about chickens. Really? Okay? And so you laughed with me on that, but isn't it cool to know that God's word, the ultimate judgment and ordinance, is without error? It is a help to us. And then look at the last part of that verse. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. True, righteous, and right. Truth and righteousness embodied in the Word of God. So we went through those uh, aspects of Scripture. So how does that uh, apply to me? What are the implications for you this morning? Well, uh, in the Westminster Confession, it says, Scripture alone is the only true source for the transformation of the soul. Okay, I was talking to you about restoration, transformation. Let me read that again. Scripture alone is the only true source for the transformation of the soul. True biblical soul care keeps the gospel central and focuses on God. Scripture holds the highest authority in the matters of the soul. 1 Corinthians 1, 19-21. Not the philosophy of man. Scripture holds that high authority. So Christian this morning, you must be equipped. I must be equipped. I must know the Word. I must be trained to use the Word, to apply the Word. And every believer needs to do this. But you know what's so exciting to me this morning as I share the Word with you? It makes a difference. Pastor was talking about media in Sunday school again. He was talking about that and using technology. Okay, I got a Bible app on my phone. And I had a teenager say to me, how long is your Bible streak? Okay. Now I told you how old I am, so I was like, okay, what is, what is a Bible streak? You know, I'm trying to be cool here. He's saying, how long is your Bible streak? And I said, you know, I don't have one. Talk to me about this, okay? So that initial challenge, we started keeping track, okay? And every time you're in that Bible app, it keeps track that you're there. So you have so many days when you're there, and so many days when you're not there, okay? And so that started a little bit. I was like, you know, this is not good because now I know, oh man, I'm back on day one. That means I missed yesterday. Okay? Oh man, I'm back on day one. I was at 150 and I'm back on day one. Okay? And so this challenge of being in the Word, spurred by that Bible app. So... Now, I still keep track of that. I still get asked by uh, young people about that. But uh, because of that, I was challenged in my own Bible reading, Bible time, to be challenged with some time in God's Word. Why? So I could be equipped. And what that does is it affects us because we have then some responses from God's Word that become part of our lives, and then we respond like Christ would respond because we know the Word. So let me wrap this up as we're together here and finishing this up. Let me wrap this up with some responses we need to have to God's Word. 
And that's right here in the passage as well. Look at verses 10 and 11. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So as you look there in verse 10, it says, More to be desired are they than gold. Desire to seek after the word. More desired than gold, much fine gold. That desire for the word. You know, it's... uh, Interesting how if I told you this morning, hey, I got a gold mine and uh, I'm finding nuggets as big as my fist. And if you want to come along after the service, you can take as many as you want and put them in your bag. You know, I think there'd be a lot of cars lined up behind, uh, behind me today when I was leaving church. Okay? I see some of you smiling. You're like, yeah, you don't have a gold mine. You'd have that building taken care of at camp. Yeah, I would. Okay? Don't have that gold mine. But catch the analogy here. Are you with me? We're attracted to the gold because of what? It has great value. Okay? So our desire for the Word of God would cause our desire for gold to pale, it says here, because the, the aspect of the fact that more to be desired than gold is God's Word, these statutes mentioned above. Okay? So where, where's your desire at, Christian? It should hold great value. The Word of God should be of great value to you. It should be of something that you uh, want to focus on your time and attention on. Look there too at the verse. It says, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Okay? Now if I was giving out cinnamon rolls in the hallway after the service, okay, there'd be some of you ladies that would get a cinnamon roll before you got your soap. I just know how it is. Okay? (laughs) You got a sweet tooth. It's okay. It's Mother's Day. You can have a cinnamon roll. Matter of fact, order one today when you go out with your with your family, just say, I want a cinnamon roll. The preacher talked about it, and he said I could have one, so, okay? But the Word of God, the sweetness of the Word of God is it empowers and impacts us. Needs to be that comparison. You still with me? Okay? Gold, talking about something brings great wealth. Sweetness of honey, talking about something that we savor. Some of, you, some of you have honey that you get, you buy here in Star Valley because it helps you in your diet and your, in your allergies. I know I do better with honey that's local than I do with honey that's not. But you think about the sweetness of honey and the, the comparison here of God's Word to those two things. There's a second thing, and that is We need to obey the word. Look there at verse uh, 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Obey the word. You know, um, as you learn more of God's word, I like to say it this way, you obey what you know. Okay? I come upon something in the word, and it impacts me, so I'm like, I know that now. I need to obey that. 
Okay? And it's practical, gang. Okay? And this is how practical it is. I have a Ford pickup. It has a dent in the driver's door. I did not put the dent in the driver's door. My dear wife did. Okay? She tried to take on our dumpster with it, our garbage dumpster with my pickup. Okay? But you know what? My fleshly response to that little incident would have been wrong. But because of the fact that I was in the Word that day and had read Scripture that was affecting and leaving a mark on me, I responded Christ-like to my wife. I know some of you are in shock by that. Okay? Okay? But folks, that's how impactful the Word of God is. It leaves a mark on us. So I didn't care about the pickup. It's a Ford. Probably should have a Chevy anyway. Okay? All right? But I got you laughing. I got you thinking. Think about it. My response to her was not worried about that possession. It was worried about, are you okay? Did I set you up for disaster by where I put the dumpster? I probably did. Because it was right next to the pickup. You couldn't see it when you were sitting in the driver's seat. So some of you ladies are like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you set her up. You set her up. Okay? But come back with me. Think about this. The Word of God gives us truth so we can respond right. Okay? Would my tirade over that door have helped our marriage? No. Does it matter in light of eternity? No. But there is eternal value in the Word of God. I already talked about that with our desires. The value is eternal, not temporal. And so we need to obey. And you know what's really cool about this? Obedience leads to wisdom. And you just go right, you go right back up in the passage. And look down as I read these. Obedience leads to wisdom, rejoicing, joy, enlightenment, conversion. And then lastly, this warning that's mentioned here, the last part of that obedience is a great reward. When we obey the Word of God, we live in a, in a place where we experience that reward. Ultimately, we experience eternity with Christ because we have listened to the Word and accepted the Savior of the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to obey the Word. So desire the Word, obey the Word, be saturated in the Word. A focus on what is important. I mentioned this when I talked about the fear of God a little bit, but in Proverbs 2, 5-7, through 7, it talks about fearing God and not fearing man. It talks about not fearing circumstances. If we're saturated in the Word, when circumstances come, we can have a Christ-like response. Okay? I'm going to give you a quick illustration of this because it's, it's, it's close to me right now. Okay? My sister lives in Montana. Her husband has MS and is wheelchair-bound, and has a feeding tube. She's his primary caregiver. My sister was diagnosed with cancer about uh, a year ago, and they started chemotherapy. 
Every time she had chemotherapy, she ended up in the hospital. Sicker than she was without the chemotherapy. She finally said to her doctor, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, she was scheduled for a cancer surgery in Great Falls, Montana on May the 3rd. The surgeon that uh, she has is a believer. They actually prayed about her surgery. They were talking through that. Anyway, long story short, a week ago Friday, he called her and he said, I can't operate on you. I have no peace from God. If I do the surgery, we'll lose you on the operating table. I can't do that. I say all that to say, because of the saturation of the Word of God in my sister's life, her response to that, not anger, not frustration, not hatred of God, her response to that is, God's got my journey. God's got my husband and I in His hand. Whatever He wants to do, we just want to do what's right. We want to follow Him. She doesn't know what she's going to do now. She's not going to do chemo again. They don't want to do the surgery because the tumor is attached to too many things, just to summarize it for you. So all that being said, I look at her and I just want to tell you what a challenge she is to me. Why is her response that way? Because she knows the Lord Jesus and she knows His Word. And she claims the truth of it as she lives her life. And it's left a mark on her. It's left a mark on her that people look at her and say, well, I can't believe you don't find another doctor. I can't believe this. You know, They're just shocked at her responses. Why are her responses different? Because there's a mark on her life from the Word of God. So let's finish it up. The last thing you need to do is trust the sufficiency of God's Word. Believer, this morning you can trust God. You can trust God. So can I challenge you this week? When you live your life this week, allow the Word of God to be part of it. Desire it. Obey it. Be saturated by it. Trust it. And so when you interact this week, people will say, you know what? That response was way different. You know why it was way different? Because you were being Christ-like. And you were yielding to the mark of the Word of God upon your life. So, coming back to the premise that I started with. Allow the Word of God, the sufficient Word of God, to make a mark on you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these uh, folks that have come worship together this morning. God, may the sufficiency of your word encourage us and direct us. And may we uh, seek to love you more. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Dean. Uh, Ike is going to come lead us in a closing song, Ike and Sarah, and uh, then dismiss us in a word of prayer. I was thinking, thank you, Dean, for the challenge concerning the word. I was just thinking as he was speaking about a sweet tooth. You know, a sweet tooth is really a cultivated thing uh, because of the 
fungal infection that I have gotten, I don't get to eat sweets, period, unless it's honey. And i got to be really careful. Otherwise, I just cannot eat sweets. And what I found, and this will amaze you, those of you that have sweet tooths like I used to have, because I used to see a sweet and I was going to eat it. But now I don't care. I just, I can look at sweet stuff. It doesn't even faze me. I lost my sweet tooth. And I'll submit to you, you can go through life and lose your craving for the word of God. We need to cultivate that. We need to ask that the Lord would cultivate it in us, that we would love his word and that we would love to feed upon it. And so as we close, as we sing, Ike, could you lead us? Close some word of prayer. Thank you for the challenge, Dean, concerning the word of God. all you guys stand uh, as we close here sing our last song if you would
Father, as we close and go away from uh, church today, I, I pray that we will truly spend the time in your word so it will make an impact on our life, so that we will have those responses that are Christ-like and that we will be salt and light in this earth. And uh, as we have a world that is so torn and fallen uh, around us that we will um, do what God has called us to do and go into all the world and preach the gospel and really live out what we truly believe. Amen.